When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. And a very good morning to you. Phone lines now officially opened for the programme. John Paul's taking the calls at 1850-333-103. Anything you want to share with us and make contact, you can text or WhatsApp 86 103 We are looking for another qualifier today for our Mallow Home and Garden uh, Festival. It's Munster's biggest outdoor festival. It's on at the racecourse in Mallow and I imagine preparations well underway and there is lot of busyness out there uh, today as we count down because it officially opens on Friday and then the festival is on Friday, Saturday and Sunday of this weekend and in conjunction with the Mallow Home and Garden Show C103 and the co-op superstores in Mallow were giving away this fantastic prize. It's a Hampton three-seater corner lounging set. Now that comes with the three-seater sofa but there's also an Otterman and a coffee table and it's all weather resistant so it's for all year round uh, use in in your garden. We're asking you to guess guess the guest on the sofa. I have to stop and say that every day because it's almost like a tongue twister. Uh, a, this is a guest who appeared at some stage on the programme. We've taken a clip from the guest and you have to work out who it is as we've done for the last two days. I'll play you the clip now but just hold the thought just work out who you think this is and then uh, later on in the programme we'll let you know when you can call our text to be today's quantifier. So here is today's guest. So I have a, a 24 foot table in my dining room, a lovely big table, right? And I, I put everything on it in little piles like this. Maybe once a month I go in and I file away. <laughs> he makes me smile. Okay, that's the, we'll be looking for that guy's name. He was a guest on the programme guess the guest on the sofa for your chance to win a Hampton three-seater corner lounging set thanks to Mallow Home and Garden Show and the Co-op Superstores in Mallow. More about that later on on the programme today. We will talk gardening though later on because Peter Dowdell will be joining us in the final hour uh, of the programme today and actually somebody sent in a text saying can you please text me on the phone number for gardening queries the actual number that you text in that message. That's the same number if you want to text in a gardening query to me because it comes into me here straight to the studio. You can WhatsApp as well, 086, same number, 0862 103 103. So you can get your gardening questions in throughout the day or you can give John Paul a call as well if the phone lines are not too uh, busy. And bear with uh, John Paul. He gets through as many calls as he can. Uh, and I know it can be frustrating when you can't get through. So that's where the text and the WhatsApp is great. And emails, we take emails as well, Patricia, at c103.ie. Some of the issues that we're going to be addressing today on the programme. Parents of babies and toddlers finding it hard to secure places at local creches. We're going to be discussing why. Now, a lot of this has got to do with the free 
childcare places that were introduced. They initially started as a one-year free creche place for children. That certainly was welcomed by parents of young children. Then it got a second year was introduced. And I remember at the time there was kind of talks and rumblings. If you introduce the second year, will there be enough places available and it seems now that's coming back to bite the government slightly but it is parents of babies and toddlers are the ones suffering the most and in the main this is uh, more of a female problem than a male problem because it's mothers at the end of their maternity leave deciding to go back to work looking to the local creches to look after their little ones to discover sorry we don't have any spaces and obviously the bigger urban areas are more affected by this but we're trying to, we'll discuss it and see what are the possible solutions. If you have a son or daughter preparing for the junior or the Leaving Cert exams two weeks today, they will sit their first paper and it can be a very anxious time in the households both for the young person sitting the exams but also it can be a very anxious time for the mums and the dads and there's a lot of biting of tongues and counting to ten and doors slamming and everybody trying to keep peace in the house because you know I spoke to Simon about this in the last hour. We all remember our own state exams. We all remember that feeling of dread at the start of the Leaving Cert, the relief when the Leaving Cert exam was over and then the long wait in the summer for the results to come in and then the anxious wait for the results. And if you look at today for young people with the point system and what it has been for the last number of years, that anxiety levels can even be multiplied by a hundred. But it isn't just the young person that goes through the stress. The parents equally have to cope with watching their beloved child go through it. And I always feel for parents when it's the first state exam, it is a tendency... Now, I could be wrong on this, but I, I feel it as a tendency gets easier with the second or the third child. Or maybe it depends on the child because you'll have some young people who are just able to deal with that kind of stress and anxiety and they kind of sail through, through the exams. Few of them, but there are a few there. And then you have another child who might be completely different. We raise all of our children the same way and you can have three children and every one of them will be a different personality type and will cope completely differently with exams. I was talking with a friend of mine who has put through to two through the exam stage both of them are in college and she's the final one com- coming up the rear and she says the difference it's like night and day. She said the first two applied themselves. They were studious. They came in from school every day. They did their study. She never had to query, have you got your homework done? Have you got enough study done? And then she said the last one is just completely different. She said she can't get her to open a book in the evening time. The school is telling her that she's not doing enough. And she said, you know, she raised them the very same way. Maybe it's the baby of the house. I don't know. But her stress levels, she said she's never experienced stress levels at exam time like she's having this time and it's because she feels her daughter is not applying herself. Anyway, the Psychological Society of Ireland is offering advice for parents. So if you do have a question, if you have an exam student in the house and you yourself are feeling under pressure 
or maybe you feel your son or daughter is feeling under pressure and look for a bit of advice get your questions in to us please we are continuing the countdown to the local elections we're nearly there and I suppose from the candidates point of view there will be a sense of relief that it is nearly over the final few days of canvassing and today I think it's our last electoral area I think we've just about covered all of the electoral uh, areas I'll check with John Paul today is our last electoral area is it the McCroom the McCroom electoral area as who we're taking a look at tomorrow and t- uh, today and then tomorrow we're going to take a look at Ireland South from the European point of view huge amount of candidates uh, running in Ireland South but today the focus will be on uh, McCroom uh, 1850-333-103 your opportunity to call or text us now please on the programme somebody's already been in with a text saying Patricia I watched the primetime programme last night and it was one of their European elections. It wasn't the one from the south. It was the one for, was it the Dublin one that was on last night? Anyway, I, I, I saw part of it. Anyway, Texter says, uh, if we learnt one thing last night, it was that Harvest 2020 cost €1,150 million. Euro, a massive figure any uh, massive figure anyway you look at it but who got all that money I didn't get and I'm assuming this is a farmer I didn't get one euro of it it must be all of the big dairy farmers many of them now have cows and they don't have anybody to milk them they got so many cows because certainly the smaller farmers did not make any money according to this uh, texture from Harvest at 2020 and of course with the Europeans Brexit as if you notice Brexit is back in the news again we sort of we got a little bit of a respite, didn't we, from Brexit? And it was almost like, we'd almost forgotten about it. And now it's back again. Michael says, Patricia, it's mind-boggling how British law works. If Theresa May goes to the Houses of Parliament four times with her Brexit deal, why can't she go to the country one more time? Unfortunately, the decision that David Cameron took was the biggest blunder of any Prime Minister in modern political history to try and unravel something so complicated as 43 years of legal and political making when he called for that referendum. A day that Europe and the United Kingdom will not forget for generations to come the consensus of which will have many a sad story and we're still not at the at the end of it and nobody absolutely no one at this stage knows what way it is going to end. And just one final text in on a a completely different uh, issue with the fine weather that we've been experiencing uh, particularly this week the weather has been uh, gorgeous it's kind of ice cream season and you will notice a lot of children out and about with the good old 99s it's kind of the season for the 99s when somebody is taking umbrage with the way one now they don't name the shop but with the way one particular shop actually fills the 99 and I'd never I have to, I have to watch when I next buy a 99, what way it is filled. And the listener reckons that this has got to be one of the meanest shops. If you ask for a 99, instead of filling around the circumference of the comb, they just draw the ice cream back and forth in a straight line. So you end up only getting half the amount of ice cream. It's happened to me several times with different staff members. So I've come to the conclusion it must be a staff policy. It's only a small thing I know, but nobody likes to be taken for a mug. Has anybody else noticed the way ice cream cones are filled? Yeah, I, I'm thinking about the last time I had a 99. You would always assume it goes around the circle. And by going around the circumference, as you described, ice cream then falls into the middle of it. So that when you've eaten all the top, there's still ice cream in the middle. But by 
by going back and forth, you're saying you don't get as much. But if you go back and forth, does it still not drop into the middle? Obviously, obviously not. Anyway, this, this listener says, could you ask other listeners, have they noticed that? And is it is it a general policy in other shops as well that you're not getting as much ice cream in your 99 that you, than you did, say, many years ago? They're actually filling the 99 differently. And I'm wondering, having seen that text, have you pointed that out to the shop? If you've had it a few times, so you're saying it's definitely shop policy, can you speak, you should speak to the manager. That's where we need to speak up. Kind of ties in with Stephanie Reisner yesterday with her book uh, Can I Say No and one of the things I asked her was was she able to return food in a restaurant if we don't get good service or as you feel this picture texter feels they've been taken for a mug you should point it out to the shop because the shop doesn't want to lose your business because obviously that's what happens you will end up saying well I'm not going to go back into that shop or if the food wasn't good I'm not going to go back into that restaurant what we need to do is we need to feel it is okay to complain it is okay to say I think you're not giving me as much ice cream as I deserve by the way you're filling your ice cream cone. So I suggest to that listener, go back and challenge the shop on it in a nice way. Don't have to be aggressive about it. You can just point out that you've noticed of late you're not getting as much ice cream in your cone and it's to do with the way you're filling it. Has it become a shop policy and is it being done to give out less ice cream? And when you do it, come back and let me know how you get on. I mentioned that we are getting very close to the local and European and referendum, which is going to be held this coming Friday. That's prompted a bantery listener to say, elections on Friday? Are we going to see families and relations working in the polling stations? I'm sick of these cliques. It is not fair, says a bantery listener. This comes up every single time we have an election. And it came up a number of weeks ago when somebody asked, how do you apply for a job. How do you get one of the jobs at the polling station? And we referred people to the Cork County Returning Officer website, CorkCountyReturningOfficer.com to their website. And there was an application for work up on that website. And it was the only way you could apply for work at the polling station was through the website and it's, it says and I, it's still up on their website we only accept applications made through this website and they clearly say so please don't phone or write looking for work they also said please note that we do not carry applications forward from one, one election to the next so if you are applied for work at any previous election and weren't offered a job then you had to reapply if you wish to be considered work for this uh, election so do I assume for that that everyone who if you've got a job at the polling station previously, every single time there's a new election, you reapply. Do I do I take it from that? They also say, and this is particularly important for the Bantry texter who reckons it is family and relations. Are you are you do I assume from that you're saying family and relations of those running in the election? Because if you are, I don't think that can be the case because it says, you, and this is in bold print, you are not eligible to work at the election if you are canvassing for any candidate or if you're on either side in the referendum, if you've been out canvassing on either side of the, of the referendum even though I don't know how many people are canvassing in the referendum, to be very honest. But anyway, uh, but if you do on previous refer- referendums, if you were out canvassing on either side, then you wouldn't be able to work at a polling station. But it clearly say- states if you've canvassed for any candidate, then you can't work at a polling station. 
And I did not know that. So there you go. So people saying, oh, it's all the family members of the candidates. It can't be. But it's the Cork County Returning Officer. It's through their website that you apply for those jobs. And I'm assuming what happens when people say, oh, it's the same faces every time. Could it be that the same faces are applying for the jobs every time? You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Parents are facing a severe shortage of creche places for babies and toddlers. It's because of the success of the government-funded free preschool programme for three to five-year-olds. To discuss what needs to be done to rectify the situation, I'm joined by Frances Byrne, who is Director of Policy at Early Childhood Ireland. Good morning to you, Frances. Good morning, Patricia. How now, are you? I'm very well. Now, your association warned about this capacity problem back in 2016. Just remind us what you highlighted at the time and were your cons- any of your concerns taken on board? Um, we issued a report. We, we commissioned independent research. Um, Early Childhood Ireland is the membership um, as the, uh, association for um, creches, uh, preschools, full daycare around Ireland and we commissioned uh, an independent researcher to do a report called Doing the Sums in 2016 to have a look at and try and um, build a picture around issues to do with the actual costs of delivering um, care and education to children from birth to six, uh, what was involved including um, staffing, staff ratios etc. And we could already see that um, our members um, were clearly showing uh, independently, but also we have been asking our members since, and members tell us without asking that, you know, they're closing um, so-called baby rooms, that they're limiting their their, uh, capacity for um, children uh, at two years of age and so on. And the reasons, I suppose, um, you know, the, the, the way you posed it uh, is, is a very good way, like what, what's going on here. And I suppose it's a very uh, somewhat complex picture, but it has a solution that we can point to, which is a cause and a solution, if you like. Ireland has uh, invested very low historically in the whole area of early years. And the serious investment has gone into what parents call the free preschool year, which is otherwise known as the ECHI programme. Um, and so a lot of concentration and investment has gone into that and that's been very welcome. And it has be- transformed um, the early childhood experience for children by having those two years free places. Absolutely it has. And I mean, we would, we have, Early Childhood Ireland has, has issued an, um, an annual childcare barometer for the last two years and we ask the Irish public, so it's beyond um, parents who are using uh, creches all, all over the country, the Irish public has huge support now for early years and we're convinced that one of the reasons why is because people now understand what goes on in creches every day and understand how important it is for children. And the reason being that 98% of three-year-olds are in, um, have an etchy place. So huge numbers of families, almost all families with three-year-olds are going in and out of creches every day. So um, it has become... Uh, a very popular scheme. It's free to parents. It pu- it invests a lot and puts money directly into creches so they can employ staff. But the so unintended quant- consequence is the babies and the toddlers and the baby rooms exactly, that you talk about. Exactly. So, 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 um, absolutely, that's the case. So, a similar similar programs don't exist for children of other ages. 
So, and uh, babies and younger children need um, higher ratios of staff quite, quite naturally. So those so rooms it, are more expensive to run? They're more expensive to run because you need more staff, which of course is completely understandable. So our members, both when they were um, consulted for the doing the sums report and since, would tell you that they have very uh, clear economic choices to make. Um, they don't like making them. They would absolutely love to have the resources to welcome uh, babies, one-year-olds and two-year-olds into their um, uh, services. Um, and a lot of them still do, it has to be said. But many, many will say, look, I just can't afford to do it. I, you know, if it's a choice between um, having to let staff go or having to close a room, I'm, you know, I, I can't really let staff go because that has a, a bigger impact across my setting. Um, and there are very strict uh, ratios of staff to children across the age. Uh, it doesn't matter how old children are. So, there, you know, understandably, people um, are making decisions. And then, of course, that means that parental choice about what's best for their children, what's best for their family, or indeed they may have no choice and they may need to return to work, uh, becomes very seriously impacted. And I think that's what has led to the publicity this week. Has your sector also an issue with staff retention? We do. And you see, this is part of the problem. So there are very serious issues to do with staff recruitment and retention. The sector has one of the highest turnovers of any sector um, in Ireland, of, of any industrial or uh, work employment sector, if you will, um, much higher even than what we, you know, we might expect, say, for example, restaurants, hospitality, catering and so on to have very high staff turnover. But ours is uh, about 24%. Why? Now, there, because the the whole because of the underinvestment, um, staff wages are really really low. So people now are coming into the sector um, hugely committed, but then realizing it's very difficult to pay the bills. And this is another thing that makes the ETI option very attractive because it's a part time uh, option and it is a it, it brings in. Um, the most funding that the government spends on early years. So full daycare are able to do two things. One is they're getting money directly for what's called capitation, which means that they can um, pay staff um, at a higher rate, a better rate. But also it means that from a parent's point of view, those few hours when your three-year-old is in in the morning are free. So that's another reason that, that has made ECHI, I suppose, a victim of its own success. So there are a number of issues and problems, all of which come down to, and this is not early childhood Ireland propaganda or our members saying it, every independent report, every government report, including the earlier strategy that was launched uh, six months ago, point to the fact that Ireland is bottom of the league in European terms, in terms of investment. We invest about 0.2 of 1% of GDP. UNICEF says that countries like ours should be investing 1%. And 2016, which are the last figures we have, Sweden invested 1.9% in care and education. Well, they're the gold star. And they're the gold star. And and the gold star, not just in terms, I suppose it's important to say they get two gold stars. One is they have the lowest rate of child poverty in the European Union. Mm. um, And early years, care and education plays a part in that. And the second thing is the quality of their care and education. So everybody in Sweden, regardless of their their family circumstances, every baby and child is getting the same 
quality of care. And that really is the direction Ireland needs to move in. And we are. The, the current minister is making strides in that direction through the National Child Care. So, so the, the solution is more money into the sector, is it, Francis? Absolutely yeah. it is. Absolutely it is, yep. OK, and, and in the meantime, we've got grandparents, I take it, trying to pick up under pressure picking up the slack and offering childminding services in some cases. Absolutely, and and so and, and, and it's fair to say that many grandparents are very happy to do it, but they absolutely are. Uh, picking up the slack is a very good way of describing it. And even in terms, even in practical ways, you know, if, if there aren't, because along with, particularly in rural areas, you know, along with um, the availability of a creche, when it comes to after school, when it comes to uh, picking children up, from the creche, etc., grandparents can be involved, even if they're not directly minding. But many thousands of grandchildren or of grandparents are, of course, uh, minding their um, minding their grandchildren. And then we have about thirty-five thousand childminders who are not related to children. I'm not speaking of grand- about grandparents; they're also um, minding children. So we have a lot of, um, I suppose, a, a complex picture, uh, but certainly parental choice. Um, and what's best for babies and children is uh, it needs to be paramount. And, you know, Early Childhood Ireland has said repeatedly, and we will continue to say this year in all of our advocacy and certainly around the budget, that we really need significant increased investment sustained over probably the next decade to bring us up to the levels that our families deserve so that parents can plan for the future and that we can all feel that the babies and children, um, you know, no, no matter what choices their parents are making, are getting very high quality care and education, which is their right, which is good for them and which will set them up for life because that's what all of the international evidence shows. The higher the quality, the better the consistency of staff, the better it is for babies and children. OK, we leave it there, Francis. Thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme. Not at all. Good morning to you. That is uh, Francis Byrne, who is Director of Policy at Early Child Care uh, Ireland. Yesterday we spoke about young people suffering from anxiety and we were offering advice to parents on how to help their young uh, person and their young children. But let's not forget parents can also need help, especially if they've students about to sit the junior and leaving certificate exams. The Psychological Society of Ireland are urging parents of exam students to look for help if they're feeling under pressure ahead of next month's exams. And joining me is Dr Anne Kyo, who is a clinical psychologist and member of the Psychological Society of uh, Ireland. Good morning to you, Anne. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you're, you're welcome. We all remember our own Leaving Cert uh, exam. Does it help to look back and reflect on how we felt at the time? It's a good question. I suppose most of us will probably never forget our kind of major <laughs> exams, to be honest, in London. Um, remembered them long after we ever sat them. So I suppose what if you had a teenager sitting exam, it's no it's no doubt that you will remember your own and wonder what got you through and what you could do to help your young person get through. So I what I would say that though is that young people are different, you know, so just because maybe we coped in a certain way, it doesn't mean that they will do that exactly the same, you know. It's sort of, it's up to each individual as opposed to what what works for a parent. Yeah, and I mentioned it earlier when, when in advance of you coming on and, you know, I was making the point as well, today's generation of young people are under so much more pressure because of the points race. Yes, most certainly. So there can be a very different kind of stress. Now, their tempers can get frayed in the lead up to the exams. Mm -hmm. As parents, do we sort of have to learn to bite our tongues a little bit and... 
hold our temper? I, I do think that most parents are learning to hold back a little bit in that regard, specifically at the moment. I mean, it's two weeks to the start of the exams. So different people express different anxieties in different ways. Some people, you know, will be very quiet or um, internalise it. Some people will externalise it and be more irritable. So, you know, there are parents who, you know, are kind of, you know, letting their emotions out at home and parents are managing that. So... Yes, I mean, there is a degree of letting young people let certain things go, pick your battles. Once they're focused on what they need to be doing, you know, maybe, maybe isn't the time to be picking up on everything. Um, you know, leaving a bit of room for them to kind of work things through. What about the student who doesn't appear to be studying enough? I mean, I'm assuming nagging is, is a yeah. no-no. <laughs> Well, to be honest with you, if nagging worked, to be, the world would be probably a very different place. <laughs> um, it's hard not to nag. So I talk to a lot of parents who struggle with this so that their anxiety, the parents' anxiety rises the less the child appears to be doing. Sadly, if nagging worked, you know, they would be then doing what you wanted them to do. So, you know, within reason, a little bit of kind of gentle redirection or, you know, rewarding them, you know, as sort of... You know, if you study for a couple hours, we can, you know, have something nice or whatever that might be. But you can't make somebody study. You know, if if you could, you probably would have done that already. Um, so just sort of redirecting them. What I would say is if you're over nagging, um, the child sometimes, can, a young person can pull against that. And it becomes a battle of wills. You know, parents are saying, please, you know, you have to study. And the child is just pulling against them. You know, lots of fights at home, etc. So if it's not working, try something else. And the focus always seems to be on the the exam students. But, you know, today we want to offer advice uh, to the parents. I mean, they need to remember to look after themselves. Oh, they do. And you're modelling that with your own self-care. So parents themselves, a lot of it is to do with how they maybe manage their own exam stress or their hopes and dreams for their children or the young people in the future. So they kind of build that all up and then sort of put it on the young person in direct ways. So what I would say to parents would be, Talk to somebody outside your house, you know, a neighbour, a friend, a family member, and literally just vent with them about how maybe you're frustrated with your young person, nervous for them, anxious for them. So the, the more they can release their anxieties elsewhere, the less they're doing that at home. And there's more space than for the young person's anxiety at home. Kind of like an offloading almost. And then the obvious ones like good nutrition, exercise, sleep. Oh, yeah. I mean, when all else, I mean, we've two weeks to go, so so sort of the anxiety in society is rising around these young people. Yeah. So when all else fails, back to the absolute basics, sleeping and eating. So are they eating enough or too much or how's that working out? And then are they sleeping enough or too much? Now, it's very normal that your sleep would be disturbed, especially the first night um, before a big exam. So sort of the obvious things like grounding yourself, you know, get out of the house if you can, get out of you know, get out of the space if you can, settle your brain, stop studying early. Lots of young people want to study till the small hours of the morning, the night before exams. It doesn't work. So kind of pick your time, cut off and literally put the books away. Let the body relax because when it's more relaxed, it'll face these things, you know, in a kind of a head on as opposed to being overly anxious. And then when all the exams are over and done with, from a parent's point of view, Anne, time to reflect and see what you can learn from the stressful time? Yeah, I mean, most parents have been through a stressful time with their kids. I mean, most kids have had some stress they've had to face. So, you know, in life, something has obviously maybe not gone their way always. So I would say say to the parents, what did you learn then about your young person, how they manage stress? What did you learn about yourself? Use that this time. 
And then, of course, after exams, I think everyone deserves a massive treat. The Leaving Indian Search are like an endurance test. Um, so a massive kind of whatever that might be. I mean, obviously, within reason. But, you know, a treat is deserved at home for parents for getting through day one as, as much for the young person. Um, so kind of rewarding yourself along the way. So day one done, day one being kind of a very tough day where people are getting used to the setting and adjusting, you know, um, you know, might forget something. So being on, being a backup and a standby person for your your, your young person. I remember myself, I forgot my calculator for my oh. maths exam. So halfway through the exam, my dad arrived up with it. So those things really do happen. Yeah, um, yeah. And you can be the kind of calm voice of, you know, I'll, don't worry, I'll get it to you. I'll sort this out. You don't have to worry about that. And there is an end date. It will all there end. Yeah. And, and your whole life does not hinge on it. Absolutely. Things don't have to go your way. There are a hundred other ways to do well in life. Um, you know, many famous people will never have, you know, done the, the leaving search, search done, yeah. you know, done well in exams. Many really healthy people either. So it doesn't, it's not going to change the course of your life entirely if it doesn't all go your way. If we could only get that message through, through to the young person when they're sitting the exam, but at the time they think it's the be all and end all. Okay, and uh, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And That's thanks for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you. Thank that you. is uh, Dr. Anne Keogh, a clinical psychologist and member of the Psychology Society of Ireland. Jane, John said he did the leaving search back in the 80s. It's of no use to him now at all, but at the time thought it was the most important thing in his life. And Irene says, it's not the parents that are doing the exams. Maybe the child knows. This is to the, to the parent who's stressing because the young child isn't doing, the student isn't doing enough work. Uh, maybe the child knows what she's doing towards the exams and concentrating on that goal. That's exactly what my youngest did and everything worked out fine. Keep calm is the answer. That's a message for all of the parents. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Our Mallow Home and Garden Show competition. Kieran has been on St. Patricia just wondering, do you know the entry fee for adults to the Garden Show is this weekend? We've just checked and the admission price for adults is €15 and there is a reduction for students and OAPs of €10 and children go go free, I'm assuming, once they're accompanied by uh, uh, adults. But adults are a €15 entry fee and in association with the Mallow Home and Garden Show and Co-op Superstores, we're giving away this wonderful Hampton three-seater corner lounging set. You need to guess the guest on the sofa. Who's there? So I have a, a 24 foot table in my dining room, a lovely big table, right? And I, I put everything on it in little piles like this. But maybe once a month I go in and I file away. Okay, you've got to hold off. If you know the answer to that question, hang on, because in the next hour we will give you the details of how you can enter, be in with a chance, qualifying today. Qualifiers then go forward to Friday's draw and one of our listeners wins the Hampton three-seater corner lounging set. It comes with a three-seater sofa. There's an otterman in there and there is a coffee table. All of it is weather resistant. Thanks to the Mallow Home and Garden Show, which is Munster's biggest outdoor festival at the Racecourse in Mallow this weekend and the Co-op Superstores in uh, Mallow. Your chance to qualify today in the next hour. Let me go to your thoughts coming in. Let me go back to the issue that we addressed earlier, which was prompted by a listener in Bantry who was talking about the elections which are up and coming on Friday, uh, bemoaning the fact that it will be all the same faces appearing at the polling stations and also saying it's families and relations working in the polling station 
and we don't know if they were insinuating family and relations of candidates because it can't be. It's very clearly if you've canvassed in any way then you can't be working at the polling stations but it led to the whole thing about the polling stations how do you get the jobs? We were explaining there was an online and you can only apply online for a job to work at the polling station. Some of your thoughts. Um, Texter says It's the same people working in those polling stations year after year after year. Most of them have other jobs and they take a day out of their holidays in order to work in the polling station. That's very unfair when there are so many unemployed, well-educated people looking for a day's work. And I think that's one of the things that annoys people the most when they go into a polling station. You know, fair is fair. People apply. We assume there's a very fair process of how they're selected. But if it's somebody giving up a day's work to then go and work in the polling station and they get the job over somebody unemployed, equally as qualified, there is a sense of real, real unfairness about that. And I know some people certainly give out about council workers who will end up working at polling stations or will work at the count centre. And they obviously take a day's holidays and then they get paid the money on, you know, separately because it is a separate job. It will be it's a separate contract to their own working contract. So they have to take a day's holidays and people from all walks of life, you know, you can do it. There's nothing in the rules and regulations to say that I couldn't get a day off, apply to work in the polling station and then go down and work in the polling station. It's a long day though. It is a long, long day. But certainly, yeah, there is a sense of annoyance with so, with people unemployed. I can't say so many people unemployed because thankfully the jobless figure is coming down. But when you look at the downturn, when we did have many people unemployed, that was one of the big bugbears of so many people. Why were they not giving the jobs to people that were unemployed? And I have yet, and we'll put it out again, did anybody apply for the polling station job on the live register that went on to get a job either this time or who got a job? Or you know of somebody who was on the live register, was unemployed, applied for one of these jobs either at the polling station or at the count the following day. Let us know if you know of anyone who got a job that way. I will be really interested to hear from you. Marion Delmanway says, I've applied for every election. I apply five or six weeks in advance, so I get in in plenty of time, but I've never gotten anywhere with the jobs. Never got a job at a polling station yet. I've applied for numerous elections over the past number of years, but no good. And you are right, Patricia, you can only apply the way you outlined. You can't, there's no phone number to ring. There's no letter for you to send in. You can only do it online and it is online at the Cork County Returning Officer.com uh, website and that's the, the, I don't know when they opened up the applications but it was a number of weeks ago and, then, and there isn't even, I'm just looking at the piece that's already on their page. There isn't a closing off date, but obviously the date they, they have well, the date is well gone now. And anyone working on Friday well knows at this stage they have been contacted. Anyway, uh, Mary said she's applied, never got one of the jobs. She did receive an email stating that her details would be kept on file for future elections. But again, she's never heard anything back. Well, it clearly states in the application for work at a polling uh, station that if you've applied for a previous election and weren't offered a job that you need to reapply 
to be considered for the work. Now, whether that's changed, that they don't carry forward applications. So because you've applied for a previous one, don't be sitting at home thinking you're going to get this when you're not. You seem to have to apply every single time an election comes up. Donald says, it's the same old faces and people in my polling station all of the time. I'm sick of it. To the point, Donald says, I'm not going to vote this time round. Protest vote because of the same quite of a strong protest vote Donald over the same faces at the polling station. Uh, 1850 We were discussing creches in the last hour and the lack of creche places for babies and toddlers because more and more creches are going into the early childcare places, the free childcare places that are offered by the government. And because of that, they're closing their baby rooms because they need a higher staff ratio for the baby rooms. It costs more for them to run the baby room than it would to have three to five year olds in the preschool uh, year. So you can see why businesses are doing that, but it's at the, the detriment then of families who are trying to find a creche position. And then I mentioned a number of families are put under so much pressure that it's it's the grannies and the granddads who are stepping up to the mark and offering to do the childcare because the parents either can't find a place or can't afford a place. And as soon as we mentioned creches, we had a number of people on about the cost of childcare. Karen is from Mallow and works in the city. She said it's impossible to try and pay for childcare at the creche and a mortgage at the same time. She said we, obviously herself and her partner stroke husband are finding it very, very difficult. We both work full time. We need to. But at one stage towards the end of last year, my husband ended up having to pick up a part time job working in a bar, obviously working evening times. And that was just to top up our income so we could basically survive. He was absolutely wrecked but he had to keep going. When it came to Christmas of last year, we had three days off. We spent three days at home with our children. We went nowhere. Our children absolutely loved it and it was great to spend time with the family. But we went nowhere. The reason for it were we were so exhausted that all we did was chill out at home. So that is our reality. We are working to pay the bills to put the children into a creche that we cannot afford but we simply have no choice. Now I would love to have had a chat with Karen but unfortunately she's at work and not able to take a call due to our work commitments. But my goodness isn't that a stressful situation to be in obviously because of I don't know what the size of the mortgage is I don't know when Karen and her husband bought the house but in order to pay for the mortgage they need both wages coming in to the house now they're obviously looking at the long term in that the children will eventually get older and they'll be going to school and they won't be crash all of the time but at the moment they literally are just working to pay the bills and it got so bad before Christmas husband having to take on an extra part-time job so coming home having worked full job during the day going into a bar in the evening time just to supplement their their income and that's just to pay the mortgage and to pay the creche and the other bills there's no savings And there's no exotic holidays out of that. Goodness me, you paint a very bleak picture of what modern life is like for young families. That is tough, tough going. Lisa Infermoy says, I paid for a creche for two years. The creche was absolutely fantastic for the children, but the financial strain 
took its toll. When my mother retired, she ended up taking my children while I went to work. It made a huge difference to our income with having no creche to pay. So Lisa saying the same thing. Paying for a creche is almost the same as a mortgage. In some cases, I have heard, particularly in the city, I heard of one young couple who had two, they had a second child and when the second child, they were you know, close enough in age, when the second child went into the creche, they were paying more in creche fees than they were paying on the mortgage. But... And I remember talking to her saying, would you not give up the job? Is it worth it to be paying that amount in creche? And she said, I need it for the long term goal. At the moment, I'm making nothing out of it. Every single penny that's coming in is paying either towards the mortgage, the bills and the rest is all going to the creche. I think she had about a fiver or something a week out of her wages. But she was seeing the long term goal that in three or four years time, the children will be at school. They'll be out of the creche. Um, and it was a career. It was for her career. It, she said, I, I can't take the risk of leaving the job and the career path I'm on. So she, it was almost like she said, I just have to suck it up. I've to, for the next number of years work for a five or a week. It just it was it was just the strain of it all really got to me. Eileen in Charleville says, I feel so sorry for those who have to rely on professional childcare or creches. The cost is just huge and people are running around to work only to pay for a roof over their heads and to pay the childminders. I am glad I'm not a young mother today uh, living their stressful lives. The lack of quality of life is so unfair. By the way, says Eileen in Charleville, I look after my grandchildren and I'm happy to do it. And there are many grandparents who are filling in that gap for their adult children so they can go out to work. Now, not all grandparents are in the position that they're able to do it. They're not all healthy enough to do it. They might live close enough to be able to do it. But yeah, it, it's it's tough. It really is. People are painting a very tough picture of what life is like for young couples uh, today. Can I go back to the election for a moment? Because polling cards, Eileen, my husband is dead three years and still you get the polling cards in the door. I'm annoyed about it as I have informed them and I've I've was told at the polling stations and I also at the polling station the last time there was an election I told them to mark them off uh, but they still get the polling card sent well the people at the polling station I mean that's only a piece of paper that they draw a line through it that wouldn't make any difference that wouldn't be the actual database I'm really taken aback um, Eileen and, and sorry to hear that this happened to you that you have informed them when you say you've informed them did you get on to County Hall isn't isn't that where the when you need to register to vote and it is upsetting three years on it is upsetting for and I know it's only a card but to arrive in with your late husband's name uh, on it um, I'm taking it back if you contact them and, and the name still is on it because usually once you once they're contacted and they know somebody's passed away it is removed and then Mary in Bandon says that she's received no polling cards this time around she said I always do I'm on the register as I've checked online who do I contact I presume I can go into my local polling station and vote yeah you don't have to have the polling card it makes it easier if you have the polling card once you've checked the register of electors and your name still is on it now why your name would have been taken off I don't know, but we have heard that happen in the past. In error, a name has been taken off. So just uh, check if you're 
in Bandon there's a library you can go, if you can go online check the register is probably the easiest way uh, to do it if not if you go into the library the library I don't know and one time the post offices used to have the register of electors as well I don't know if they still have the list in the local post office but the libraries certainly will, will have it but just check and once your name is on the list then you are entitled to vote even though your polling card didn't arrive and I take it at this stage if there's any postman or woman listening all the polling cards are out I mean I've got mine well over a week at this stage maybe they're still delivering but I would be surprised at this stage if they're still delivering I take it that they're all out so just check anyway check the register for lectures once your name is on it you will be okay Mary but you will make sure you bring ID with you there is we're always told to bring the ID and they will you know they randomly select people just to check that the ID does match the person who you're claiming to be when you go in uh, when you go in to vote but you certainly will need to bring ID with you if you don't have your polling card but just check once you're on the register of electors electors you will be fine 1850 John Paul taking your calls The latest jobs on C103 Official media partner of the Irish Examiner Cork City Marathon Sunday June 2nd Get working now to run the full half or relay More details at c103.ie Arundels by the pier, they're looking for a sous chef, while Mallow Community Childcare, they've got vacancies for a toddler room leader and a childcare assistant. It's for maternity cover in their baby room. The rooms we were only talking about today. A block layer wanted uh, to partner up are to help with one-off houses and a playroom assistant is wanted for play days preschool that is in wing. It is morning work. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. C103 presents the Mallow Garden Festival, one of Ireland's largest home and garden festivals. There's over 200 exhibitors, 25 incredible show gardens, free seminars, meet Charlie Wilkins and Peter Dowdall and browse through 5 million plants on display. Visit the Vintage Car Show and Artisan Food Expo and there's a free bus service from Mallow train station each day. The Mallow Garden Festival, Cork Racecourse. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. May 24th, 25th, and 26th. It's too big to miss with C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now we are into the final few days of canvassing for Friday's local and European elections. And today we take a look at the McCroom local electoral area. It is the last local electoral area for us to cover. And we're doing it with Michael Scanlon, who will once again be covering the count for us here at uh, C103. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning. Uh, And you're welcome. Okay, outline firstly how this electoral area has changed since the last election due to the boundary changes. Yeah, Patricia, in 2014, the last time the local elections were held. This was called the Blarney McCroom Municipal District. This time round, it's uh, McCroom uh, District. 
in the sense that Blarney has been taken out of the out of the area and is now part of Cork City Council, and to replace Blarney, Mill Street and the uh, surrounding areas around Mill Street they have been added to this particular area. Now, there's a few other small changes as well in the sense that uh, Ballingary, which would have been previously part of, of, of West Cork, has now been brought back into this particular area and areas up around Kilmichael have also been added in. On the other hand, areas down near Bandon, just to the north of Bandon, Newcestown, uh, parts of uh, Inishannon Parish, Brinney, Nockavilla and Ballymurphy, they're taken out of the area and they're gone back into the Bandon Kinsale area. So they're, they're the main changes. And geographically, they, they all sit better, don't they? They're closer to... They do indeed, yeah, because it would have been, like, I suppose, I live in Newcestown. Uh, we would sometimes wonder, are we in West Cork or are we in North Cork? Certainly down around Shannon, which would be so far removed like that. That has always been part of Cork North West uh, for the, the general elections. Like, it's so far removed from yeah. the McCroom area that uh, it made no sense whatsoever. So certainly there's a lot of tidying up done and what's there now makes a lot more sense. That's good. But the number of seats remains the same at six? Yeah, the number of seats uh, is exactly the same as the last time uh, with with six. And there are, in fact, four sitting uh, uh, councillors uh, running among the 13. And the 13 this time is actually one more than what was there in, uh, in 2014. So with four sitting, we will have at least two new councillors. So let's start looking at the runners and riders. We're going to start with Fine Gael first. They've opted to run four. They're, they have run four. They are running four this time round. Last time round, they ran three. Now, the one thing you can always say about Fine Gael, and particularly around the McCroom area, they could write the book about vote management yeah. because they're absolutely excellent at doing it and this time round I know that they have divided the area into four different zones and are literally sticking rigidly to those uh, four zones even though I believe that Anya Collins has been allowed to extend her zone but certainly when it comes to vote management Fine Gael would be top of the class. We can expect I'm assuming two safe seats uh, for Fine Gael to start with Michael Creed and Ted Lucy? Uh, certainly uh, Michael Creed uh, will will be expected to, uh, I won't say top the poll because I think that honour is going to go to uh, to Governor Moynihan. Like this part of the country would historically have been dominated by two families, the Moynihan family and the Creed family. The late Donald Creed, who's the father of the Minister for Agriculture, Michael Creed. Now it's his, it's Michael Creed's uh, cousin, uh, Michael Creed as well, says he's uh, running uh, as the main uh, man in this part of the country. He certainly will get elected on the first count, but I suspect that top in the poll will be the Fianna Fáil uh, candidate, uh, the daughter of Donald Moynihan, the former Fianna Fáil TD, and the bro- and the sister of uh, Andreas Moynihan, who of course. Uh, was elected uh, as a local councillor the last time round but then when the election came in 2016 he was elected as a TD and his sister Gobnet replaced him she's going to top the poll Okay so if you are saying Michael Creed should do uh, should do well I mean he polled very well the last time as well got well over uh, the quote on, on the first count uh, Ted Lucy is the other sitting Fine Gael councillor Yeah you'd expect 
said, Lucy, to uh, to uh, he's been a very very hard working councillor. Uh, councillor I know around the town of Macroom and uh, other areas around around the around Macroom as well. He's a lot of work done over the last uh, the last five years. He certainly would be in pole position to to pick up a seat uh, with obviously uh, working closely with with, with Michael Creed. Return to politics for Anya Collins. She was a former. TD for the area. Did that come as a surprise or was it always expected that she would come back into politics? Well, I think certainly Anya has... um she was t- d- uh, terribly disappointed last time round when she when she lost her seat, and she is a hard-working uh, person in the political world down around the town of Mill Street and all around that area. And certainly, while she had been maybe uh, on the national stage quite over the last five years, I think her heart is always in politics. So it's probably not a surprise that she's come back. And then the fourth for Fine Gael is uh, Eileen Lynch. Yeah, this lady is a very, very uh, interesting, uh, interesting woman. She is a solicitor in Cork. She's 28 years of, of age. Uh, she's actually, believe it or not, she's a European profile because last December she was elected the secretary of uh, the Fine Gael or aligned to the European People's Party and she was elected secretary of the youth branch of that organisation at a, a convention held in Athens in Greece so she may not have been well known around uh, Ireland but certainly on the European stage she's well known and certainly she would have done a lot of canvassing would be well known up around the Ahabola coach for the area and so certainly she is going to be a, a, a serious candidate. And, and great to see a 28 year old it's the one thing we've been noticing with the lot of the other electoral areas. There's a lot of young people going forward, Michael. Yeah, I think I was actually listening to your uh, your preview of Carrigaline yesterday and I think somebody said that there were two uh, one lady was doing her leaving yeah, cert and later on in the week. So yeah. I think it's wonderful, Patricia, anybody that puts their name uh, as a candidate, no matter what party they're from, they have to be given huge credit and huge respect because while we all give out about uh, our politicians, let him who has uh, no sins cast the first Absolutely, stone. absolutely well said. Okay, that's Fina Gale, then Fina Fall are running three as you've mentioned uh, Goblin Moynihan will you know likely to be the, the poll topper it is her first election having been co-opted but she's also put the groundwork in Oh she has done serious groundwork and would be a very very hard working councillor over the last number of years since she was uh, co-opted instead of her brother Andrews but the Moynihan the Moynihan brand you, they are serious around this part of the country uh, you can take it as gospel that she will top the poll and uh, the problem that Fianna Fáil historically would have in, in this part of the country is they don't do vote management well. They tend to operate, and they won't like me for saying it, they tend to operate as sole traders, that everybody does his own thing. And it's probably to their detriment uh, if they were trying to get uh, Hoover up a lot of the votes for their own people at, rather than maybe one person going off and, and uh, operating to the exclusion of the others, that if everyone uh, pulled together, they might fare better. Yeah, because even looking back at the 2015, um, 2014 elections, um, like uh, Andreas Moyne at the time got 1,100 votes over the quota and then his next running mate was, was Bob Ryan at 1,500. That if that he'd given, if those votes had gone directly to Bob Ryan, if they'd done good vote management, 
The two of them would have been elected on the first count. Yeah, I remember Patricia at a quarter to one in the morning doing an interview with Bob Ryan inside in the uh, county hall where the count was being held and he was absolutely spitting fire and uh, said things are going to change around here. Now, unfortunately, Bob Ryan is no longer around because he uh, was expected to run, but uh, because Blarney, which would be his main hinterland, was taken out, he felt that uh, he had no business uh, uh, running in the McCroom area because he wa- he wasn't going to pick up the vote so he's no longer around but yeah you're absolutely right there was an issue the last time round and it would better vote management Bob Ryan wouldn't have been sweating as he was at the end of the night even though he did get elected but he was literally biting his fingernails at the very end Okay so Bob Ryan not standing uh, Michael Looney of Bearings will he pick up the mantle for Yeah him? you'd expect that Michael Looney who would be uh, again a, a well known person over around the Inniscara Bearings area has done a lot of work I believe for people over around that part of the uh, of the, of the uh, electoral area he certainly uh, would be uh, uh, getting a lot of the votes that were uh, previously Bob Ryan's. Maybe he, w- he wouldn't be well known outside of his own immediate catchment area and that might hinder him uh, when, when, the, when, the tele- when the final uh, count is done but certainly he will be a very strong candidate. And the third on the Fianna Fáil ticket is Jason Fitzgerald who's a farmer. Yeah he's an interesting character in the sense that uh, he was uh, running for uh, and did run in the last uh, general election as a renewal candidate and actually managed to make it all the way to count number five in the the last general election in 2016. Now I certainly know from looking at some uh, information uh, up on websites during the week that he did give an interview to uh, the Cartman at the time where he was uh, talking about uh, renewal being uh, a new change, a new breath of fresh air and maybe he had something uh, less than pleasant to say about Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and it's interesting now that he's now back with uh, back with Fianna Fáil. He's very much in one end of the constituency and you'd wonder down in that area will Jason Fitzgerald and Anya Collins, will they actually sort of cancel one another out and uh, will, th- will that uh, sort of hinder both of them? OK, only time will tell and we've only a few days left to go. Now Martin Coughlin, uh, now he runs uh, well, well known in the area, runs as an independent he ran for Labour. Yeah, historically, Martin Coughlin, all his life, his DNA would would be Labour. I think the Labour Party has sort of fallen in hard times in the, in this part of uh, of the uh, the county in, in recent years. And Martin is a really, really hard working community worker around McCroom, and it's interesting. Any time, like there's been a number of high profile incidents around McCroom in the last twelve or eighteen months, and any time that somebody goes looking for uh, thought, the thoughts of the locals, Martin Coughlin is the first port of call for anyone outside of the area who wants to find out something about McCroom. He's going to be a serious candidate when it comes to uh, when it comes to the count on Saturday. And of course Labour not running not running any candidates. Now Sinn Féin are running uh, Ronnie Morley. Now Ronnie Morley has been a councillor co-opted for when for Des, uh, for Des O'Grady. Yeah Des O'Grady would obviously have been the standard bearer for Sinn Féin for quite a number of years. He announced that he was retired 
retiring from politics there late last year and uh, Ronnie uh, Morley from the uh, I think he's from Coachford uh, he is the man the standard bearer this time he's from Clonmoyle East in Coachford he is the standard bearer he took over from Des O'Grady he is the standard bearer for Sinn Féin uh, this time round and I'm sure he's going to certainly get a lot of the votes that uh, Well Des O'Grady had a really good showing on, on first preference votes he nearly just nearly got elected on the on the first count is that a, a pure Sinn Féin vote or would would some of the, would that be a personal vote for Des O'Grady Yes, yeah, certainly Des O'Grady would have uh, had a personal vote yeah. he, he also did a huge amount of work down at ground level but I think Patricia, there's a, a fascinating subplot with, with that whole Sinn Féin, uh, that whole Sinn Féin scenario, because there's another candidate in the field called Nigel Dinehy, yeah. who, believe it or not, ran for Sinn, uh, ran as the Sinn Féin candidate in the 2016 election, and he got as far as count number six before he was eliminated. You've also then got the A2 candidate, PJ Feeney, a solicitor uh, working in, in, in Cork. Now, as you well know, A2 have uh, um, come Sinn on Fein, board yeah. in, in, in the last number of months after Peter Tobin left the party. And you just wonder, like, what's going to happen? Like, uh, the, the, all these three guys are part of the Sinn Féin gene pool. And will they literally cancel one another out or take votes from one another? And Martin Coughlin may be the real winner because of that. Okay, and then Social Democrats, first time out for them with uh, Sheila Nidul. Sheila Nidul, again, she is a, a lady that's uh, well known around the uh, the, the town. I, I I think she's from the town of McCroom. She's a, a music, she's actually from Clown Drive, just outside McCroom, a music teacher. And uh, she would have a high profile around McCroom. Uh, and certainly I'm sure she will have, she will command her own support. Yeah, and she's, she's uh, we certainly have had her on the programme and she's been working with the asylum seekers in, in Mill Street. She's a good community activist as well. And then the last is non-party member uh, Mary O'Callaghan Hallisey. If I'm not mistaken, did she run the last time as well? She did indeed, yeah. Patricia. She actually got 315 votes uh, last time round before she was uh, eliminated. I'm just looking at, at the, the count for the last. She actually... Unfortunately for her, she got the lowest number of uh, first preference votes uh, the last time round. But I'm sure the lady is, uh, after putting in a huge campaign, and I'm sure she's going to have support. OK. All right. So the the issues, what are the issues on the doorstep in this area, Michael? Well, the issue certainly around McCroom would be traffic because anyone that ever has to drive through the town of McCroom, uh, you could nearly start at Lissarda three or four miles out and you could be in the tailback into McCroom or if you're coming in from the uh, the uh, Kerry side, it's amazing the amount of traffic. Like, this is one of the busiest routes. It's effectively the main road from Kerry up to Cork is through the town of McCroom and, like, the traffic is unreal and that's a major issue and the McCroom bypass, which I know is on the horizon to be dealt with. I'm sure a lot of the people have been hearing that the, the t- people in the town of McCroom and those who drive through it can wait for that bypass to arrive. And certainly that, that is one of the major major. Okay, items. And, and geography. Is geography as important as political parties in that people have a tendency to vote for candidates from their own towns and their own areas? It certainly, it certainly is a big factor, but I cannot stress 
the importance of the two families that I mentioned, the Moynihan family and the Creed family. People uh, cannot underestimate how important those two families have been to the local area and the vote management of Fine Gael will certainly deliver for them and the Moynihans will top the poll and people tend, I won't call it um, sort of blind loyalty, but they tend to focus very much on uh, the Moynihans and the Creeds. Okay, so call uh, call the McCroom electoral area for us, the six seats. How do you see them going? On, a, on, on an absolutely, I suppose, brilliant day, Fine Gael could get four. That probably is not going to happen. Their their expectation and the expectation of people I talk to would be that they'll get three. Three for three for Fine Gael? Two for Fianna Fáil. Okay, and the last and one? And the last one really is a toss-up. I mentioned earlier on in the interview about the dilemma that Sinn Féin yeah. and Nigel Dennehy and the AIN2 candidate have, that they're all from the same gene pool. And you just wonder, will Martin Coughlin be one of the beneficiaries of that? Because or of that. maybe Nigel Dennehy will be the beneficiary, or maybe Ronnie Morley. It's just too difficult to call. So yeah, yeah. And, and as always with the local elections, it's the transfers. It's the way that, it's, particularly when we get down to the last few seats, it's, it's and the you way. See, that's where the vote management will, uh, yeah. will really make its mark. And if one candidate is seriously ahead of, uh, we'll say, candidates from the same party, as we mentioned earlier on, that means that uh, the second par- person from that party could be tearing their hair out at one o'clock in the morning. Okay. And at one o'clock in the morning, it's County Hall, isn't it? The, the count for I believe it's the yeah. County Hall. Okay. No, I'm, I'm not covering. I'm actually oh, you're not? Been, Sorry. I've been assigned to Atlantic Hilti oh, uh, for the first time ever. I'm actually oh. dealing with uh, with the three uh, electoral areas in uh, in uh, in West Cork this time round for, for because, a change. Because because normally it's one of the quicker ones, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's always uh, you'll always expect to be home about two o'clock in the morning um, out of this particular area. I certainly do remember though being. In uh, up in the parochial hall and uh, up in uh, the county hall, the big area is the Middleton area it tends to go on all night. Yeah. Carrigal line tends to go on all night. It literally doesn't get sorted out until maybe early Sunday morning, very early, as in nine or ten o'clock on Sunday yeah. morning. Yeah, yeah, they they can be long, long uh, affairs for sure. Listen, uh, Michael, I enjoyed that. Thank you for that, and thank you for joining us on the program. Good morning. Uh, good morning. That is uh, Michael Scanlon. Uh, joining us uh, previewing the McCroom local electoral area. That's all of the areas done, dusted and covered. Uh, tomorrow we're going to take a look at Ireland South from the European point of view. And then, of course, on Friday, regardless of your political views, who you like, who you don't like, who's done something for you, who hasn't done anything for you, we will be encouraging you to get out and uh, vote, please. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can also uh, text 0862 103 103. I can still see texts coming in about the polling stations. Somebody says, why get rid of the people that are doing these jobs every year after year? Well, it's not year after year, but every year that there is an election in the polling station. Give, and, and give the job to somebody useless. These are very important jobs 
says this texter. So sees nothing wrong with going to the polling station and the same person being there year after year after year. They have experience, and it's only right and proper, that they get the job every time there is an election or a referendum. And somebody else says, Hi Patricia, about the polling station. Most of the people that work in them, uh, obviously the polling stations that this listener goes to, are school teachers, are their family members. So it's the old thing of everybody looking after each other. It's that old click. 1850 Don't forget to get your gardening questions in because Peter Dowdell will join us after half past uh, 12. So if you have a gardening question, you can get that in. Uh, you can call John Paul, you can text our WhatsApp. Every Friday, we're counting down to the weekend, the weekend. by turning up the feel good. C103's Feel Good Friday brings you six hours of Feel Good Greatest Hits. Join Nick Richards from 1 and Martina O'Donoghue from 4 as we get you weekend ready. Weekend ready. Turning up the Feel Good for Cork. For Cork. Every Friday from 1. Feel Good Friday, only on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. Okay, we're going to do this by text today. We are looking for today's qualifier for the Mallow Home and Garden Show, along with Co-op Superstores in Mallow. Your chance to win a beautiful Hampton three-seater corner lounging set, which comes with a three-seater sofa, an ottoman and a coffee table, which all weather resistant. We need you to guess the guest on the sofa. So I have a 24-foot table in my dining room, a lovely big table, right? And I, I put everything on it in little piles like this. Maybe once a month I go in and I file away. OK, who's filing away the stuff about once uh, a month, which is a great way to stay tidy? Uh, name the guests. Name the guest who was on our sofa, person who featured on this programme in the past, by text, please, 0862 103 103. And we will leave the text message. We'll give it about 10, 15 minutes and then we will randomly select one winner who will become today's qualifier. It goes forward to the draw on Friday and then with a chance of winning the Hampton three-seater corner lounging set. But text only, please, 0862 103 103. Your chance to win. Thanks to the Mallow Home and Garden Show and Co-op Superstores in Mallow. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. The Mallow Home and Garden Show, Munster's biggest outdoor festival at the Cork Racecourse Mallow, which is happening this weekend. We've teamed up with them, along with our good friends of Co-op Superstores, and we're giving away this wonderful prize of a Hampton three-seater corner lounging set. Every day this week, you are guessing the guest on the sofa. So I have a a 24-foot table in my dining room, a lovely big table, right? And I, I put everything on it in little piles like this. Maybe once a month, I go in and I file away. Who's filing away once a month? It is, of course, Francis Brennan. And a huge, huge reaction. Not everybody getting it right. I'm surprised at that, but massive reaction with uh, people getting the correct answer. So I've left it to John Paul for him to randomly select one of our correct answers and to announce the winner and our qualifier for today. And he has selected a qualifier from Coachford. Did you message us from Coachford? 
If so, is your name Anne Casey? Because if it is, you are today's qualifier. Well done. Anne Casey in uh, Coachford joins Monday's qualifier and Tuesday's qualifier. So that's three of our five qualifiers. Two more to go. And when we have all five on Friday, we will make the draw The draw, and somebody wins. It's a three-seater sofa, an ottoman and a coffee table, all weather resistant. So it's for year-round outdoor use. And thanks to the Mallow Home and Garden Show and Co-op Superstores for coming up with that wonderful prize. By the way, tomorrow we will be previewing the Mallow Home and Garden Show in advance of it opening on Friday. And it's on Friday. Saturday and Sunday at the Cork Race Course in Mallow. So let's stay though with gardening and let's keep our attention on gardening. If you have a gardening question, Peter Dowdle joins us in a couple of minutes for our weekly gardening slot. So if you have a question for Peter, get that into us please. 1850-333-103 or you can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit CorkCoco.ie The Formoy Widows Association They are meeting this evening 7 o'clock in Tossbrine's Garden Centre All widows and their friends are welcome Bingo's on in the Del Quinn Hall in Canturk That's at half past 8 tonight With a jackpot of €6,300 There's a table quiz in aid of Galasha Boy Drama Society will be held in the Widow's Bar Dunkettle in Glamire. That's on tomorrow night, Thursday, 8 o'clock with a €20 per table. While the JP McManus Pro-Am 2020 pre-qualifier golf competition in aid of Carebright Dementia Community will be held on this Friday in Adair Manor. For full details, can you contact Magella at 085 817-3413 and the 13th annual Cork City Marathon Half Marathon and Team Relay will take place on the Sunday of the Bank Holiday Weekend it's an internationally recognised event with competitors coming from far and wide still not too late if you would like to register you can find out more details about registration on CorkCityMarathon.ie and 96 FM and C103 are proud to be media sponsors of this year's Cork City Marathon. Well, we were discussing child minding earlier on and the cost of creches and I was really taken aback at some of the young mothers contacting us talking about how they are working every hour that God sends to just pay for the mortgage and to just pay for the cost of the childcare but they have no other choice and you know one of the families saying even the husband needed to go out and get extra work before Christmas the bills were were mounting and coming in so he took bar work in the evening time on top of his day job and then three days off over Christmas where Great to spend time with the children, but they were also exhausted. They couldn't go uh, anywhere. That's led to Eilish and Skibbereen saying, just to, to the young mothers out there, what about neighbours or somebody living close by to look after your children? You know, not the grandparents aren't always in the position. They mightn't be around. They might live locally. They mightn't be alive. They mightn't be well enough to look af- after them. But Eilish says, what about neighbours? Why, why, why is it all about sending your child to creche facilities that seem to be very expensive, says Eileen. And she cites her own example that when her children were young, it was a neighbour she used to used to look after. And obviously Eileen used to pay the neighbour to look after her children. And by the way, said Eileen, she did a fantastic job. And she's wondering what is the current situation. Well, I'm assuming that that still happens in some neighbourhoods, that you will have a neighbour who's opted to work at home and be the stay-at-home mother. 
and probably will and does provide childminding services. But you will also have other neighbourhoods where every single household has mum and dad heading out to work and there are not neighbours available. But I'm sure it does happen. I'm not saying that it doesn't. But maybe it was more common in your time, Irish, than it is today. But certainly today the focus seems to be on creche facilities and very and how expensive they are. And it's not that the owners of the creches are making huge sums of money. They're, they're not. It's just if the baby is younger or the toddlers, it's the staff ratio in what's called the baby room as opposed to the three to five year olds who have the free childcare places and then obviously the parents, if they're at work, will pay for them to be minded in the afternoon. But the staff ratio in those rooms isn't the same as it is in the baby and toddler uh, section. Thank you for your call, Eilish, 1850 333 103. Keep your gardening questions coming in because uh, Peter Dowdell will be joining us in the next few minutes to answer your gardening questions. But Skull is preparing to host some of the biggest names in the in Irish film making. Saoirse Ronan and Roddy Doyle are among the guests who will be travelling to Skull for the Fastnet Film Festival. This is the 11th year of the festival. It opens this evening and it runs for the next five days. Now, our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran travelled to Skull this week to speak to the organisers and to the locals. Uh, firstly, Fiona spoke with Fastnet Film Organisers Film Festival organiser Hilary McCarthy. We have no cinema or no screen, and over five days at the end of May, we get Calves, an audiovisual company from Cork, who come down and they set up the most fantastic screens all over the village. So we've screens in the Church of Ireland Hall, the Parish Hall, the hotel, bookshop, galleries. Um, You can hop on a boat and head out to the fisherman's cottage out on Long Island and watch movies in his bedroom. It's a 24-seater cinema in his bedroom. So we've got a bit of everything, lots of family entertainment, lots of live music. Obviously, there's a huge amount of work going into a festival like this, and I suppose it couldn't continue without the support of the community. Absolutely. I mean, it's a full-time job, really, and it lasts 12 months all year round. So my name is Katerina, Katerina Brunski, and this is Grove House Restaurant with Rooms. So, Katerina, tell me first of all about the cinema in your venue. So this is normally like a um, small private dining room, and we've been using it as a cinema since day one of Film Festival. And it's sort of you know, you could probably squish in a little bit more than what's here right now, but about 15, 20 people. And people come up and watch their movies and then they go out and have a cup of coffee or a bit of lunch and come back in for more. Um, and apparently we're going to get very, the, a few risque movies up here, I've been told this year. So, <laughs> so, we, so we'll have to have over 18s on the door. But no, but it's, it's, it's working really lovely and... I kind of just always say it's quite amazing to have a film festival where there's no cinema. And I mean, you know, you've got big names coming to it. This year you've got Saoirse Ronan and Roddy Doyle. You've had other big names in the past. What do they make of the festival when they come here? Well, that's obviously a question that they would have to answer. I mean, like, but I think that, I, you know, 
obviously we've had a lot of the famous people sort of staying here at Grove through the years. Famous, but you know, well-known people. But I think that they kind of feel that it is so relaxed and people are like, you know, there is, you know, it's, it's, yeah, they're recognized, but they're not, you know, and I have really had a lot of famous people staying here. And I know that they kind of, they, they come up here to Grove and they're grand and whatever. And yeah, they're, I think that they like the smallness of it. They, that it's so personal. What's your name? Geraldine O'Reilly. And Geraldine, uh, what does the festival mean to the people of Skull? The festival brings extends the season in Skull. It starts the season maybe a week earlier than it used to start. It brings it brings a lovely element. It brings filmmakers and it brings business. It lifts the whole village. As you can see, we've got the flags out and the place is sparkling. The weather is fabulous and everybody gets on board and. It's a lovely festival to come to because there's a lovely vibe and it's excellent for the village and it brings us all together. And it brings you guys together and it brings so many visitors to the town as well, doesn't it? It really does. It brings all sorts of youngsters and directors, filmmakers, actors, actresses, everybody comes and it's everybody blends in together and it just it works really well. What does it mean to the people of Skull to have this festival? Well, I think it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing for Skull. It's... Uh, uh, it, it was something we never expected to see because, I mean, I, I've been here a long time and I was principal in the college and so on over the years and did a sailing centre, but then this is another innovation and it's just something that's taking off and it seems to have grabbed the imagination of people around the country and I think we expect a big, a big uh, obviously a, a, a big uh, attendance this weekend. What does it bring to the local economy here? I mean, the spin-off benefits must be enormous. Well, they are, obviously. I mean, if you... Uh, I was reading yesterday, they were quoting there'd be seven or 800 people here every day. Like, obviously, that is a spin-off and shops and pubs and fun and everything else, yeah. <laughs> and we have the likes of Saoirse Ronan and Roddy Doyle coming here. That's obviously saying something about the festival over the few years it has been there. It has grown and obviously people are prepared to come and people who are big names are prepared to come and th- there's an interest in it so I think it'll only go from strength to strength from here because the people who would do it are working really, really hard and they're a great bunch of people I must say. Because I've been walking around the town and I've had a look at some of the venues. I mean, there's no cinema here in Skull, but yet you can have a film festival that lasts for five days. It's a real community effort. It is, of course. And, uh, I mean, Skull is about community, really, and I suppose West Cork is about community, as you know. And that really sums it up that Skull and West Cork is all about uh, community. Is I, rem- I remember when the first festival started 11 years ago, people thought everybody, they were off their heads that they were going to try and run a film festival in a town that didn't have a cinema. And now 11 years on, look where they're at. Uh, look, look where they're at now. And the likes of Saoirse Ronan and Roddy Doyle coming along to this year's uh, festival. So good luck to everybody involved, particularly to the organisers who put a huge amount of work into organising this festival and if you're going along enjoy it it really is going to be fantastic in Skull for this year's Fastnet Film Festival and thanks to our Fiona Corcoran for heading along to Skull for filing that report for us and actually Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bear wants to congratulate uh, our own C103 Senior News reporter Fiona Corcoran for her debut on the RTE News yesterday with the lovely Eileen Dunn Michael says Fiona was absolutely a master at her job and she 
gave a flawless performance in front of the TV cameras. Well done, Fiona. You will go far. Congratulations uh, to you. And indeed, congratulations to our own John O'Connor from Farm Talk, who was also on that uh, on the TV on the nine o'clock news last night with um, Eileen at Dunn. 1850-333-103. We are gardening questions, please. Get them in because Peter Dowd is going to join us. But just before we do, we just want to get to one very quick text that has come in. To, having a go at me saying, Patricia, would you give me a break? You're talking about young parents. Young parents don't know what pressure is. They have all these beautiful houses with all of the facilities and the mod cons. They have no cloth nappies to wash. They can even get solid foods made up, ready to go. Clothes are dirt cheap today. Uh, wages are good. Back in my day, we managed on one wage without nice houses. We didn't have any of the mod cons at the facilities. We hand washed all the clothes and the nappies and we had to dry them the best way we could. So please give me a break and tell them just to get on with it. This is the Court Today replay on C103. We're going gardening with uh, Peter Dowdle, the Irish gardener. Uh, good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Trish. How are you? I'm very well. Are you straight off a plane? Were you, you were in, much, you were in Chelsea? Pretty straight off a plane. Pretty much straight off a plane. Yeah, I've been in Chelsea for the last few days. And uh, mind-blowing once more. Weather, uh, the weather was glorious as well. The weather, do you know what? The weather was nice. Yeah, uh, it's it's like here. It's lovely, and it's actually lovely weather for for visiting a show because it's 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 warm and it's dry and it's sunny and cloudy, mixed with cloudy. But it's it's not too hot. You know, it's not. You don't go into a show like that. It's loads and loads of people. You're walking for hours. You don't want it to be too hot. It, it's really lovely to to visit at the moment. I saw the best in show, um, the winning garden. Where, would you agree that it was best in show? Do you know, I I, I kind of want to be careful what I say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, I've no problem giving that best in show, but. I, I do think that the, the, I was delighted to see that the main such an emphasis on sustainability and promoting biodiversity in the garden was a huge emphasis at this year's show. And Kate Middleton was was co-designing one of them, which was all about the importance of, of access to green spaces in the garden in terms of our mental health. So they were getting really important messages out of Chelsea, but they might have they might have dropped the ball a small bit in terms of it's also show business. You know, mm. a lot of the gardens were the same about the power of nature, uh, recla- which was the winning garden, the M&G one, which was the power of nature in reclaiming derelict spaces. And it was brilliantly done and it was a plant collector's garden. But they need to, they need, I think they need to, um, they need to mix it up. Like, I'm all about sustainability as well, you know, but I don't think that a sustainable garden just has to be uh, unmowed grass and wildflowers. I think you can have a bling bling show garden sustainably. That's good. That's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. Okay, so uh, uh, well done. And we're going to be talking about the Mallow Home and Garden uh, show because I know you're going to be joining us tomorrow yeah. on the program at uh, live. Uh, so we take over from uh, we pick up the mantle from Chelsea and move it to Mallow. Okay, let's get straight into questions. Mary and Mallow has uh, rhododendron five feet high. It's uh, 25 years old. Uh, once upon a time, it had lots of flowers, but in recent years, she's gone what she described as very empty. So she's wondering, should and she cut it back? And how much should she cut it back? She feeds it uh, every spring. OK, so it's five foot high and it's 25 years old. So it's obviously a dwarf variety, probably a, what we call it a yak variety, which is the, the, the correct height for it over that period of time. Um it, I think, yes, it probably would respond well to being pruned, and now is the time of year to do it. Uh, as regards how far, without seeing it, I couldn't give an exact measurement, but just bear in mind that you do need to leave greenery below where you cut as well, so that might help. You could probably cut it back by about 
10, maybe 20% of its overall size. It wouldn't go any harder than that, certainly. And just make sure that there's green below where you cut. Don't cut into brown wood. Um, feeding it in spring, depending on what she's feeding it with, and I think this could be another reason that it's not flowering. The rhododendrons, as you know, Trish, they'll set their flower buds this autumn, next yeah. summer autumn, for next opening up next spring. So those flower buds remain on the, the shrub all winter long and open up uh, next spring. So it's actually the summer and autumn is the time to feed it for flowering. There's no point feeding it for flowering in the spring. It's fine to feed it in the flower. Sorry, it's fine to feed it in the spring uh, with something like sulfate of iron or sequestered iron to to improve overall plant vigor, particularly if it's growing in the wrong pH. But for flowering, you'll need to feed it with something like the, I would say the the, the liquid nature safe, um, something high in potassium and phosphorus to promote flower buds at that time of the year. So try cutting it back now. As I say, make sure you leave green underneath. Uh, feed it with maybe the liquid uh, nature safe in July, August and then hope for the best. Okay, and Mary also has a red robin. It's uh, four feet high. It's been in the garden for the last seven years. It's gone what she's described as very empty. Yes, and uh, I love red robin as a plant, but as I've often said on your programme, Trish, I think when we're talking about it in terms of a hedge, I think a a well-maintained red robin hedge looks stunning. A poorly maintained one doesn't. Uh, And the same uh, uh, in an individual shrub. It can look very, as she says, empty or sparse or lacking in growth. So do cut it back. Cut it back now. Again, a bit similar to the rhododendron. You don't want to cut back all the greenery. So you need to leave some greenery on it. It is a bit late in the year to be doing it. Ideally, you would have done this in March so that all the new growth would have come out uh, lower down. You're still not too late. It's only one plant. If it was a hedge, I'd say wait till September. But just one plant. Cut it back. Uh, and it should regenerate further down the stem. Okay, a listener in y'all, I'm assuming is growing thyme for the first time, says it's in flower now, wants to know what do I do with it now? Do I cut it back or what needs to be done with it? Yeah, well, you, we, we tend to forget that thyme, like any herbs, it's, 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 it's a plant in its own right as well. It does its thing, it flowers and, and it keeps growing. So yeah, you prune it back just after flowering. You can obviously harvest away during the period. You, you just... just if, harvest it as you would, cut it as you would and use the leaves, use the foliage, use all parts of it. Uh, but in terms of how you maintain the plant, when it's finished flowering, yes, just cut back to just under the dead flowers to encourage good bushy growth down low. Carmel in Gwynedd has what she calls lily beetles. How can I control them or get rid of them? Where did you say she was from? I've never heard of that. Gwynedd It's outside Ballydesmond. Oh on the God. way, heading over towards Kerry. Yeah. That's a new one on me now. Anyway, getting back to her lily beetle, which is a desperate problem, unfortunately a problem I have myself. Um, they're red beetles, they munch away on the, the plant and the larvae. The larvae, they start off on the leaves and they they just do untold damage to the bulb of the plant. They're a huge problem. Uh, unfortunately, the chemical that's used to control lily beetle is one that's very damaging to, to biodiversity and to bees, so we don't want to use that. I'm not even going to give the name, okay. um, because one that we don't want to use. But there is one that I have used uh, only in the last couple of weeks. I'm going to double check it for next week, but I'm fairly sure it's made by Grazers, but I could be wrong. Grazers is a a range of organic um, products used to repel pests. They they repel rabbits, some of them. Some of them repel slugs. And this one repels lily beetles. I've used that on my lilies this year, two or three times now in the last couple of weeks. So far, so good. Uh, No damage yet. So, yeah, I'm fairly sure it's grazers. It's an organic lily beetle deterrent anyway. So even if I have the wrong brand name, you go into your local garden centre. If they have it, they'll know exactly what you're talking about. I picked it up in Hanley's and the Kinsale Road roundabout. Uh, I know they have it, obviously. Um, any other 
Gardens Centre with it can ring in, I'm sure they'll be delighted to let you know. But I have so far found it very effective. And the fact that they're called lily beetles, uh, it, they just attack lilies, is it? Yeah, yes, yeah. but there's a broad range of lilies. But oh, yes. it's okay. Yeah. All right, okay. Yeah. All right, see, this is a text in. We have a garden with vegetables. We're growing cabbage, carrots, onions, leeks, cauliflowers, etc. Uh, it's coming badly this year and is actually covered in chickweed. Is there anything so safe to spray for the chickweed? I'm afraid when you're growing vegetables... Uh, you can't spray anything. No, no. The, 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 the only way to do, deal with this is... But I don't feel too bad saying this because chickweed comes out very easy, but the only way to deal with it is handweed. So get out there with a hoe or on your hands and knees. Um, as I always say to people, cancel the gym membership and go get your aerobic yeah. workout outside. Uh, get down hands and knees with a trowel. It, it's very rewarding. I mean that. I mean, when you get out and once you clean the area and you see the work and you see the results, it is very, very rewarding. It's good for you both mentally and physically. So uh, I would get out there with a hoe and, and get rid of it, but it'll come out easily. OK. And Breda in Mallow says, Hi, Patricia. Could you ask Peter uh, if I should cut back my beautiful lilac when it's finished flowering and uh, how hard, if so? Thanking you. The answer is yes, you can. And the, the, you, you should cut it back just after flowering because it, it can get a bit leggy and be draggled looking as well and a bit empty down low, a bit like the Red Robin, so I would do. And you can cut it back, you know, really as hard as you want. You can go, go. you can certainly take it back by about 50%. So, yeah, you can cut back hard on Bila. Okay. Busy Lizzie's. This is Eileen in Fairhill. It's Busy Lizzie's. They're being attacked by green fly. Any advice, uh, please? They're indoor. Okay. Okay, it's possibly the, the New Guinea or the Fiesta type of, of uh, busy disease, so they, they can be prone to it. So what I would say, the first course of action is, if they're growing in a, in a, in a pot indoors, inside the house, move it out for, for a few hours today, uh, and they might just fly off and then move it in again. And you know what, that might be all that's needed. If not, um, you can get some green fly and white fly traps, which are like, the, you know, the old, you, you see them long ago, I'm sure they're not there anymore, you see them long ago in butchers and grocery shops where they t- catch the flies. I don't know if you remember them or not, but they had the, the, they're these kind of sticky things that you, you hang. So you can just fly paper. The plant. They're, they're disgusting. Fly paper, exactly. They're horrible. Oh, and they're full of flies. Yeah. They're, oh. Yeah, they're yeah. horrible. But uh, you can use them. But also, uh, and probably the best of all to use is you can get a nematode, which is a, a parasitic insect which feeds off the green fly. Uh, don't worry, you're not introducing another insect to make it dies off and the green fly is dead. It's microscopic, you don't see it. So the, the, the actual nematode that you would use for green fly and white fly indoors is one called Encarcia formosa. I'm dredging the memory bank there. I'm not sure what the brand name is, but a, a quick Google um, nematode or biological control for white fly, green fly inside will bring up the brand name. I, um, there's a, uh, it's Nema something. Nema. There, there is a brand name out there anyway. Okay. Get it. If you won't get it in the garden, you'll certainly get a mail order through online. Okay. Breather wants to know, can I put our geraniums out now and other, sem- and other summer plants? Is it safe to do so? I hope so because mine are out. So, yeah. yes, I would say yes, certainly yes, but uh, it's a very good point to bring up because if you've, if you've kept them in over the winter or even if you've bought them new, but you've bought them, let's say, in an indoor store like a supermarket or inside in a garden centre, well, bear in mind then that they've, if they've been inside in your own house or in a store, they've been inside for the last several months or in a shop situation maybe forever, don't move them out directly. You can't expect them to go from a nice warm supermarket or a nice warm living room into the outdoors in one go they're not going to like it and they, they, that would be maybe too much of a shock 
few hours each day, acclimatise them to being outside, extend the period that they're out each day by an hour or two, and then after three or four days, you could leave them outside. You should be fine from now on. Okay, and Anne says, uh, good day to Patricia and Peter. I'm trying to grow watermelon in a polytunnel. Will it work? I took your advice last autumn about just trying things. I yes. sowed carrots in September and we've been eating them since February. Well done, Anne. Good. good well done. Good. Watermelon? Yeah, no reason in the wide earthly world why it wouldn't work in, in a polytunnel. Absolutely. She, she's the seed. Where are we made? The seed should be well sown by now. They should be all, well. Even if they're not, don't don't panic. You'll use with the polytunnel. You could still sow them now and have them later in the year. So yeah, no reason at all why they wouldn't work. Okay, and let us know and how you get on. And just very quickly, Veronica said last week she sent in a text about the re- changing the earth in the flower beds, and you advised a nutrient to add to the new soil. She's mislaid the name. Could you can you remember off the top of your head? I think a nutrient to head, add to soil. The same as what I was recommending earlier for one of the questions, which was the nature's yes, it was yeah, nature's nature. safe granular. They do a granule, which is a great base dressing. Add that to the soil when you're changing that. In nature's safe, it's called. Okay, now you you are going to be joining us live in studio tomorrow when we're doing our overall uh, preview of the Mallow Home and Garden Festival. Um, are you looking forward to the festival? I certainly am looking forward to the festival. Uh, I always love the Mallow Festival. Unfortunately, I'm only there on the Friday this year. I have other commitments that I just can't get out of. But I'll be there Friday at 2 o'clock this year and looking forward to looking forward to chatting to you tomorrow about it. And next, if I could very briefly, Trish, next Tuesday, uh, next Tuesday evening, it is next Tuesday evening in the Glucksman Gallery in UCC. There's a, I'm also really looking forward to this one. It's a very important event happening. Um, we're talking the title of the of the talk is Green as an Everyday Colour. I'll be joined by James Kavanagh and William Murray, which many people will know as the Curabini Chefs, and Juanita Brown, who's responsible for the All-Ireland Pollinator Plan, uh, which you see these signs around the country. And we'll be having a discussion, and it'll be a discussion with the audience, uh, so everybody's welcome. The Glucksman next Tuesday at 6 o'clock, and it's about how each of us has a role to play in our individual lives on, on how we can change, That's an important how, we can, one. how we can be gardening more sustainably, how we can be eating and sourcing our food more sustainably. And it's, each of us has, can, can make a small impact. There's three or four million of us on this island. If three or four million of us do it, it becomes a big impact. You know? Okay, and that's in, in the Glucksman. Okay, uh, so we'll talk to you tomorrow. Look forward to having you in the studio. Thank you for that. Bye bye. That is our own uh, Peter Dowdell, the Irishgardener.com. Okay, that's where I wrap it up for today. Peter, as you say, we'll be back with us tomorrow and we'll uh, preview this year's Mallow Home and Garden uh, Festival, give you another opportunity to be a qualifier for our wonderful prize with the Garden Show and the Co op Superstores. You get a chance to qualify uh, tomorrow. But uh, my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick is with you for the afternoon and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 onto the Lampetition Messenger. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.